Now we believe that God is doing a new thing. And this new thing he is doing in us and through us. And this new thing is otherworldly. And so we're going to have to think in otherworldly ways and we're going to have to do some otherworldly things. And prayer ushers in the new thing that God wants to do among us. And so we must become a people of prayer, a people who seek otherworldly help to face the challenges we face in this world, a people who tap into the spiritual realm and God's power and through prayer bring God's power from heaven to earth. And that part of the new thing, it's actually not a new thing. Now, many of you know that this year, uh, City Church is celebrating our 25th anniversary. And yeah, 25 years. And 25 years ago, when City Church began, we didn't call ourselves City Church. We called ourselves BRCC, Bandera Road Community Church. But in the first year, we received a prophetic word in the form of a letter from another believer in our town. And in 1992, when this church began, the woman who sent us that letter in 1992 went to a church called City Church. And we've seen numerous aspects of that prophecy and that prophetic letter come true. And there's one part of that letter that, that I believe reminds us of what the focus we ought to uh, be pursuing as a church, as the body of Christ. And so I'm going to read you an excerpt from that letter. Encourage the sheep I have given you to pray. Prayer is the answer to the problems you will encounter. If you will become a praying church, you will see me move mightily. I have plans for this city and this body. And so the new thing will happen when God moves mightily among us. The new thing will occur when God's plans for this city and this body take place. And remember, what we looked at last week, what did the scripture say about the body of Christ? Y'all are the body of Christ. And so God has plans for this body. And those plans will come to life when we become a praying church. And so I'm going to do everything I can as one of your pastors to lead us to become a praying church. A church that seeks otherworldly help as we face challenges in this world. Now, for the last few weeks, I've asked you to commit to who we are as a church and where we're going by using one of these A New Thing cards. And on that card, it has our purpose statement and some values that we are focused on as a church. And many of you have signed this. The way I've asked you to commit is to write your name on one part of the card and you tear it off. And on the back side, to write down what prayer you want your pastors to pray for you in 2018. And so, uh, if you haven't had a chance to do that, there will be cards available on the stage and also uh, in the lobby for you to fill out. You can leave the cards on stage or you can turn it in the offering boxes. So, uh, when I first got the first set of cards a couple of weeks ago, I started to pray through the cards like I said I would do, but I never got past the first card. It's still sitting on my desk where I can pray this prayer request every day. And this is what it said. Please pray for my family. I am a 45-year-old single mother of three with terminal cancer. 
And my heart just broke when I read that. And, uh, you know, she and her family are facing a desperate situation for which they need otherworldly help. And uh, so before we continue, you know, if we're going to become a praying church, uh, let's pray for people. And I did contact this woman and talk to her. And uh, she gave me permission to share her prayer request and even to share her name. Her name is Melissa. And so we're going to pause for just a moment. And I want you to pray for Melissa. Whatever God shows you, if he gives you a picture, pray that. If he gives you a scripture or a word, you pray that. And I'm going to pray for Melissa as well. So Lord God, we do trust you with our very lives. And we lift up to you, Melissa, the single mom. And Lord, we really do trust, we, we trust you with her, but we do ask for what we want. We do believe that you are the Lord God Almighty, the God who heals. And so Lord God, we ask you in Jesus' name to stretch out your hand over Melissa. We believe that you can restore health to her body. We believe that you can destroy cancer cells, that you can give her new cells a new life. And so, Lord, uh, we trust you, and we, we do believe you love Melissa, and we ask you to show your love for her in this powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. My hope, my prayer as your pastor is that we would become a praying church, a church that will see God move mightily, a church where God does heal the sick, where he saves the lost, where he forgives the repentant, where he uh, reconciles families, where he restores relationships, and where he revives people who need reviving. That's the kind of church I hope that we become. And there's a, there's a certain overlooked part of the Christmas narrative that I believe reminds us about God's mighty power and how prayer is a key part of bringing God's will from heaven to earth. And so this is in Luke chapter 2. And uh, let me set it up for you. 40 days after Jesus' birth, his parents brought him to the temple to dedicate their firstborn child to the Lord as uh, according to the Jewish law. And while they were there, there were two praying people who were lifting up prayers for the Messiah. This is Luke chapter 2, verse 25. The first one was a devout man named Simeon. The scripture says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Simeon was waiting for the Messiah which is a way of saying to you, he was praying. He was praying every day, waiting for the Messiah to come. And he, had, he was praying based on a word. He got a word that he would not die before he saw the Messiah. And so he was praying based on that word. He was praying God's will from heaven to earth. And if you remember, prayer is not about us getting God on our side. Prayer is about us getting in on God's side. It's about getting in on what God already wants to do. But he works on this earth through people. And so he looks for people who will pray his will from heaven to earth. 
And Simeon received an answer to his prayers. This is verse 27. Moved by the spirit, he went into the temple courts. That's Simeon. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon saw him and took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon saw God move mightily. And personally, he got, think about this, he got to hold the Messiah, the Son of God. And this was a Messiah who came, according to his prophecy, to bring salvation for all the nations. Jesus came as a savior of all people. Jesus came to save devout, righteous people like Simeon, but he also came to save people who aren't so righteous and aren't so devout. Jesus came to save all people. And so I want you to know that no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, no matter how far away you've gone, no matter how lost you feel, Jesus came to be the savior of all people, including you. And City Church exists so all people can believe and thrive in Christ. And we do not exist just for devout religious people. We don't just exist for righteous people. We're the kind of church where all people are welcome to come and explore our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, Simeon was not the only person praying for the Messiah to come, praying God's will from heaven to earth. This is Luke 2, verse 36. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, talking about Mary and uh, Jesus, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, I think it's important to notice that God spoke prophetically about his son through a man and a woman. And Anna recognized the answer to her prayers. She was waiting for the Messiah, just like Simeon. And it appears that there were other people who were praying for the Messiah to come. And together they prayed together and they prayed God's will from heaven to earth. Their prayers ushered in a new thing. And if you remember, we said a new thing is about a man and a movement. As a man, Jesus came to be the savior of all people. And so he lived a perfect life so that he could offer himself as a perfect sacrifice to pay for all people's sins. And through our faith in him, we believe that our sins are washed away, they're wiped clean. Through our faith in him, we are declared God's children and we have eternal life. And I hope that no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, I hope that even today, you would put your trust in the Savior of all people, Jesus Christ. So their prayers ushered in this new thing, and this new thing was about a man and what he did for us as our Savior. But it was also about a movement because Jesus also came as a leader to start a movement. 
And that movement ushered in a new thing. And that movement, it, it's, it's, a, it's unlike any other movement because his movement was not of this world. It was otherworldly. And so prayer has always been a crucial part of Jesus' movement. And if you remember, if you go back and read Jesus' story, he prayed regularly. He saturated his movement in prayer. In fact, he would regularly leave the crowds who needed his healing touch. He would leave them and go up into the mountains and pray. Prayer keep, kept him focused on his father's will. Prayer brought his father's will from heaven to earth. Prayer paved the way for salvation, for healing, uh, for truth to be brought to the people that would set them free and for social justice. Prayer brings the otherworldly to our world. The movement Jesus began is a prayer movement. And we play a crucial role in this movement. And if we will receive that word that, that we got 25 years ago and heed it, if we will become a praying church, God will move mightily among us. And so as a church, our worship leaders are looking for ways to incorporate prayer into our weekly services so that we can pray together. There is something different about praying together as opposed to praying on our own. It's good that you pray on your own, but there's something powerful when the body of Christ, y'all, gather together and pray together. Also, starting in 2018, we will conduct a monthly prayer and praise gathering without any time constraints so that we can seek God through worship and through prayer without any kind of time. Because you know we have like five services, so we have to keep all of our services about the same time. Well, we're going to have a once a month gathering where that's not an issue so that we can intercede for our people, for our city, and for our world in a significant way. And then when our city groups start in 2018, you know, I've been talking to you about the city groups that are coming. My hope and prayer is that we would so courageously connect with each other that we would begin to intercede for each other, to pray for each other. Some of the most joyful experiences I've ever had in my spiritual journey was when I joined together with some brothers and prayed for something to happen. And when, when you see God answer your prayer, it just builds your faith. But then, you know, sometimes, sometimes I just want to pray by myself or I need a space. I want a quiet space. Even, even here on the campus, you know, I work here. It's like, man, sometimes I just want a place where I can go pray. Well, we have created a prayer room just off of our lobby. And that prayer room will be available all weekend during our services. If you come and you just need a place to go and pray, we invite you to just step in there and pray. And that prayer room will also be open all week during our office hours. So if any time during the week you just need a place to pray, well, you can come here to the prayer room and pray and seek God's face. And not only can you lift up your prayers and the burdens you have, we're, we're going to have a notebook there where you can write prayer requests so that others who come in to pray can pray together with you. We are going to become a praying church more and more. And we're going to pray together and we're going to see God move mightily because prayer taps into the otherworldly and ushers God's, God's will from heaven to earth. And like I said, if we become a praying church, God will move mightily. And, and God's been speaking to me. He's been speaking to me some fresh words about prayer just to build my own faith. 
so I can grow as a praying person and, and hopefully lead you well. The first word came from the book of Romans. And, and in that part of the book of Romans, uh, the apostle Paul is pointing to Abraham, you know, the, the great father of our faith as an example of a man who lived with great faith. And then it gets to this, this part in Romans chapter four where he describes why Abraham had such great faith. And this is what he said. This is Romans four seventeen. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates what? New things out of nothing. People who pray with great faith believe God can change what is. People who pray with great faith believe that God can bring the dead back to life, that he can heal the sick, that he can revive the depressed, redirect the wandering, and that he can restore the broken. People who, who pray with great faith, they believe in the God who creates new things out of nothing, who can bring joy to the joyless, hope to the hopeless, and who can move mountains, who can do the impossible. With God, according to the scriptures, all things are possible. And so I, I just encourage all of us to believe in the God who can bring the dead back to life and who can bring new things out of nothing. The second word that, that, that God spoke to me about prayer just happened last week. Uh, to be honest, I've been feeling anxious about several situations, and I was walking from this part of our campus over to our offices, and one of my friends that works on staff was walking with me, and he just asked, hey, Brent, how you doing? And you know how there's two ways you can answer that question, you know, the quick, oh, doing great, or you can really be honest, and you know, I just decided I'm going to tell him the truth. And I told him, I said, you know, I've really been anxious lately. I've been anxious about Barbara's health situation and just, you know, a lot of stuff going on. And then I've been anxious about some things here at work. And I told him, I said, you know, I know I've been feeling anxious, but I wasn't admitting it. And I certainly wasn't, I wasn't even admitting it to myself. And that morning, for the first time, I admitted I was feeling anxious. And I admitted it because I, I read a scripture that, that encouraged me. And it's from 1 Peter chapter 5. And it says this. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And it was like God was saying to me, Brent, I got this. You're under my mighty hand. So cast all your anxiety to me. I really do care for you. And so that's what I did. I just cried out to God and I said, okay, God. And I just told him all the things I was feeling anxious about. And as a, an act of faith, I chose to just cast it all on him and say, okay, God, I, I cast it to you. I do believe in your strong, your powerful, your mighty hand. And I chose to believe that God really does care for me. And I don't feel like, like I'm like an expert in prayer or I'm a great prayer warrior or anything like that. I really don't. I feel like I'm a prayer doofus who's just learning how to pray and trust God with stuff. But you know what's good about a prayer doofus is, is he knows he needs to grow. And so hopefully as I grow, I, I can lead us, you know, and we can all grow together. Because if we become a praying church, God will move mightily among us. 
Now, a few weeks ago, I spoke at our downtown campus, and I was talking to them about prayer and about God moving mightily in response to prayer. And after the service, a man came up to me and told me his story of how God moved mightily in his family through his desperate prayer. And uh, he gave me permission to share his story with you. And so these are his words. He said, my daughter Leanna was born with a rare and incurable blood disease called neutropenia. It caused her to get repeated infections, to have difficulty recovering from illnesses, and to almost always feel ill. Uh, Her doctors prescribed medication to boost her body's ability to produce blood cells to fight the infection, but we had to inject the medications at least four times per week. If we were ever late for her her injections, she would immediately become ill. But I never believed she would have to take this drug for the rest of her life. Deep down, a faint voice always assured me that this was only temporary, but after two years, I became weary. One Sunday, Leanna was sick again, and my wife stayed home with her while I went to church. I don't remember the talk that day. I don't even remember who spoke, and they never do. That was my part. I just remember feeling unrest deep within me. I felt desperation, frustration, and even a little anger. The feeling grew stronger and stronger inside me, I spent the whole service praying for my daughter. When the service ended, I asked for a prayer from a person on the prayer team. At first, he prayed for Leanna's healing. But then I just interrupted him and I began praying myself. It was like a switch tripped. I called out to God. I asked him to listen to me. I asked for his hand to touch my daughter to heal her and take away her illness. I cried out for a miracle. I reminded God of my faith. And then I just began to cry uncontrollably. And I'm from West Texas. And believe me, I was raised that men do not cry or get emotional. But at that moment, with a complete stranger, I cried desperately. After the service, I had a moment of clarity. I believed Leanna was healed, not only from her current illness, but from her congenital blood disease. I told my wife about what had happened, and after a long talk, we decided to stop giving Leanna injections. One week went by, and she did not get sick. Two weeks went by, and she still showed no signs of illness. So we went to visit her hematologist, and he drew blood. The tests showed that her blood was completely normal, something that had never happened before. After six months, yeah. After six months without a recurrence of the blood disease, our doctor told us that we never needed to come back to him, he said, because somehow Leanna was healed. Leanna is 13 now, and I feel fortunate to have witnessed such a powerful miracle. If we become a praying church, God will move mightily. And so in just a moment, um, we're going to take communion together. And we're going to be taking communion in a different kind of way. Thank you, Rick. uh, Than most of you who've come to City Church have ever experienced. uh, Because we're going to take communion together. Normally, we've come and you've taken communion, you know, singly, and then you've made your way out. 
So you're gonna be receiving the communion elements that look like this, and so the ushers are passing them out. And if you'll hold on to them and wait so that we can all take communion together. And so I'm gonna give you a few instructions since this is the first time we've done this. There, you're gonna see there's two flaps on, on the communion elements. The first one's a real thin piece that when you tear it back, you'll see there's a little wafer on top. And so the first uh, time you'll pull back is to, will allow you to get the bread wafer out of the communion element. And then in a moment, we'll do that together. We'll take the bread together. And then the second flap will open up so that you can drink the juice. And be careful when you do that. If you squeeze it too, too tight, you're gonna have juice on you. And uh, you'll just peel that back. And so in a few moments, Scott is gonna come and lead us to take communion together. But this is what I want us to do as we take communion, okay? I want you to think of that person or that situation in your life where you're feeling anxious, where you're feeling desperate. And when we take the communion elements together, lift up your prayer to God, cast your anxiety upon him because he does care for you. can have it all, Lord, every part of my world, take this life and breathe on, this heart that is now yours, you can have it all.
heaven yet, if you take that cup and just take the clear part off the top. Of course, mine's not working, so if yours is like that, then I'm sorry. from us, for us, from 1 Corinthians and lead us to take this together. So if you would get the wafer in your hand and, and on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. took the cup of wine after supper and saying this is this cup is the new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood do this to remember me as often as you drink so Lord together as one body we do this together to remember what you have done for us thoughts in your mind, to think on those anxious thoughts as we take this together.
team is going to be available here in the front. I'm going to be praying with them as well. And so if you have a need that, that you want to have somebody pray over you, please let us serve you in that way. Uh, those of you that call City Church your church, I do pray that the Lord will bless you as you sacrificially give your tithe. I pray that he would just, uh, you know, bless it and pour it back in your lap. And uh, I pray that he would bless your family this Christmas season. Uh, remember next week, there will be no Saturday service, uh, but we'll have five on Sunday. God bless you. Go in peace. We'll see you next week.